Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Commander's Contingencies podcast. Today I'm going to be starting the Commander's Quest and I'm going to be talking about a couple of other important things to happen in the Commander's Verse, such as the release of the Unset, Unsanctioned, and the introduction of Wizards Sanctioned Leagues that you're that your play that your game store might run. All right. So first, I'm going to talk about the WPN Commander Knights. So Commander Knights run once weekly from April 27th through June 18th, and players earn achievements in weekly commander games with special rules. Uh, there's a lot of different rules, but basically how it works is every week your game night, your game store gets to choose which day, but it's encouraged for it not to be on Friday in order to not, uh, conflict with Friday Night Magic. There will be, there will be pods of three to five and they will compete to complete achievements. The achievements are A, they can be chosen by the individual stores, and B, they can vary. But basically, the, they provided a sample list, just so you know the kind of thing. There will be 14 total, and you get achievements, and you can get a reward if you complete 7, and another one if you complete 14. So... One is control a permanent with three or more auras attached to it. Two is control ten or more enchantments. Three is have three or more of your constellation trigger abilities trigger at the same time, etc. There's 14 of them, but you get the idea. One of them is win a game of commander. That's probably going to be a relatively stable one. But this is great because it'll encourage your game store if they don't already to be running a commander night. So, that's great uh, if you have a game store closer to you that hasn't been running a Commander Night, then they might start doing that now. I'm actually going to look into that. Alright, next up, I want to talk about the, car, the set Unsanctioned. So, Unsanctioned is like any other Unset. The cards are technically not legal to play in any format other than Draft or Cube or whatever in most formats you cannot play them so i i'm not going to do a set release uh, a set review because of that but i will talk about a couple of cards that i thought were fun all right so there's also a lot of um reprints in here most of the cards i'm talking about are actually reprints but one of my favorite cards is flavor judge one in a white for a creature bird advisor two two Tap. Choose target spell or ability that targets a permanent you control. Then ask a person outside the game if the story of what will happen makes sense. If they say no, sacrifice Flavor Judge and counter that spell or ability. So, yeah. Like, for example, if your opponent has a wall out and you go to murder it, and you ask the person whether you can murder a wall, they'll be like, no, that doesn't make sense. I don't know, it just seems fun to me. Frankie Peanuts. Frankie Peanuts is two white, white for a th- two, three legendary creature, elephant rogue. At the beginning of the 
your upkeep. You may ask target player a yes or no question. If you do, that player answers the question truthfully and abides by that answer until end of turn. When I first looked at this, I was like, oh geez, this is going to take a lot of thought to um, figure out how to do it well. But basically there's this thing called coercive logic where people can only really answer one way. Uh, For example, yes or no, you will do the actions in exactly one of the two following groups of actions. The first group is answering no. The second group is forfeiting the game, is forfeiting this turn, but giving me one rare of my choice from your deck. So, obviously don't actually do that. I just got that from a random article online on MTG Salvation. I will put it in the description. Uh, But probably don't do some type of anti-thing. Because that'll get a judge call, and just don't be that guy. But I just didn't want to misquote the person. Alright, the next one, this one is actually relevant to us, is Surgeon General Commander. Surgeon General Commander is 3 in a green for legendary creature Wombat Bat Chameleon. Whenever you augment, enchant, or mutate a creature, you control, draw a card. And then you can tap to add white or blue or black or red or green. 3-3. You may know that mutate is not a keyword right now. And Mark Rosewater has announced that mutate is going to be a keyword in Ikoria. So, they just decided to throw in a little extra synergy. I don't think... Watsi has done this before. I don't know if they are going to do this in the future more, but that's an interesting, interesting idea. Uh, next, we have Booster Tutor. Booster Tutor is a black and open a black for an instant. Open a sealed magic booster pack. Reveal the cards and put one of them into your hand. Remove that card from your deck before beginning a next turn. I'm really disappointed. I've really wanted to be able to open a Pokemon booster pack. I I, I just, I like playing the wrong cards, you know. Uh, Next is Cheaty, oh, that's also a reprint. Uh, Next is Cheaty Face, which is blue, blue, blue for a 2-3. And it says, if Cheaty Face is is in your hand, you may sneak Cheaty face onto the battlefield. If an opponent catches you right away, that player may exile Cheaty face. Flying 2-2. Oh, it's blue. Blue, blue. So, basically, what you can do if your playgroup allows proxies, is you can put proxies right on top of Cheaty faces. Genius. Genius. For example, there was like one person... And they had a, uh, there was a gameplay channel that had a no banned list, list competitive uh, thing. And one person just started ramping and playing tons of cards, but really they weren't doing anything. And then suddenly they decide they unsleeved all their cards 
and took out all the proxies. And guess what? Under every single card was a cheaty face. And they just attacked everyone for lethal. Next, I have the Commander Quest deck. Alright, I'm just going to briefly go over the rules for people who do not know. So, the idea, the goal of the Commander Quest is to make a Magic the Gathering Commander deck for every single card, excuse me, in Magic the Gathering. So, there are roughly 20,000 cards in Magic that I can play legally. So, the idea is if I make commander decks with those cards in them with no duplicates in 300 about about 300 decks i will have made a commander deck with every single card in magic the gathering that is the goal, the eventual goal and these are just decks that i'm brewing to begin the challenge So first, I want to go over a rules change. In this case, it does not apply. But in the past, I had said that I'm going to be doing two decks a week. But I'm changing that, so I am doing a minimum of two decks per week. I might decide to do three or even four. Um, also, uh, there's a lot of different puzzles that I'm going to do. But the a couple that have stood out to me... Right now, my plan, I don't want to do anything like tribal or anything like that because it just seems generic and like the easiest, e easy way out. So, my plan right now is just to make, is to play commanders or decks that make cards that aren't really playable, actually playable. And there's going to be a couple issues, there's a lot of road bumps that are coming up, like, what am I going to do with vanilla creatures? And I've come up with a couple of plans. Like earlier, I had an Uno the Gathering deck that I built. And a lot of the cards in it for the Uno deck, I don't actually care what they do at all. I just care about their mana cost. So I can put some there. I can have a deck that, ha that gives benefits to creatures that don't have words on them. But there's only one card that does that. And it's not that great. It just gives them plus two, plus two, and it's four mana. So, I don't know. That that doesn't seem like it'll work that great. But there are a lot of different ways to do it. And right now, I'm just trying to be as minimal as possible with the cards I'm using and their power level. Alright, so first, I'm playing a Yarok the Desecrated deck with energy. Because there's a lot of cards that involve energy and aren't very playable so let's let's just get into it now another thing uh, just another note technically i won't have a budget for any of these decks but because of the fact that i'm being so limited and how good uh, my decks are going to be and because there's simply you know there's like there's only there's so many cards in Magic that are cheap, and the reason that all cards seem so expensive is because we run the playable ones. But basically, because of that, my decks are just gonna end up cheap. Like this one is forty-seven dollars. That's 
incredibly cheap. And that would be on Card Kingdom, so you could probably get it for like 30 on TCG Player. Alright, so I'm going to start talking about the cards. Uh, another rules change, because one of the minor goals in this is if you listen to all the episodes, you'll know every single card in Magic the Gathering. So that does unfortunately mean that I'm going to have to read every single card in every single deck. So it'd be rather thorough deck text. Um, currently, I don't have a great solution to it. Um, it just means a little bit less description. But right now, I'm just going to read the cards. And if there's anything notable, I will say it. So, Arboreal Grazer, uh, Yarok the Desecrated, which is the commander, is two black, green, blue, for a legendary creature elemental horror with death touch and lifelink. If a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So, that's kind of hard to read, to figure out, but basically... Enter the battlefield triggers twice, triggers trigger twice, or other things that trigger when something enters the battlefield. So, let's just get into the creatures. So first, I have an arboreal grazer. Arboreal grazer is green for a creature beast with reach zero three. When arboreal grazer enters the battlefield, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. This is good, or this is bad ramp. Um, that with Yarok can become actually okay. Uh, we have, uh, so that, yeah. We have Green Belt Rampager, which is green for a creature elephant. When Green Belt Rampager enters the battlefield, pay two energy counters. If you can't, return Green Belt Rampager to its hand and you get an energy counter. And it is a 3-4. So basically, if I have an outlet to be able to use all of my energy counters... Or just really any amount, so long as it's not three. So if I have an outlet for one or an outlet for two, that means that I can just cast it over and over and over again and get two per enter the battlefield with Yarok. Plus, it's not really playable anywhere else. Maybe in, like, a, um, Animar deck. Uh, Minister of Inquiries. Blue for a 1-2. When Minister of Inquiries enters the battlefield, get two energy counters. Tap. Pay an energy counter. Target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Basically, this is just a bad energy card that's going to have to go into something. And at the end of the day, it's one mana and I can get four energy counters from it. So it's not even that bad. Uh, Thriving Turtle is blue for a 0-3. When it enters the battlefield, get two energy counters. And whenever Thriving Turtle attacks, you may pay en two energy if you do put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So either you get four energy counters with Yarok out, and then you can attack with it and get it, make it a 1-4, and then again to make it a 2-5. Or you just have, you just get four energy counters and you have a 0-3. Next, we have Aether Poisoner. Aether Poisoner is one in a black for creature human artificer 
Death Touch. Any amount of damage this deals to a creature is enough to destroy it. And when either Poisoner enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters. When either Poisoner attacks, you may pay two energy counters if you do create a 1-1 colorless servo creature token. Again, two mana. Get four energy counters. And I can get benefits when it attacks. Which is great. Uh, Aether Swooper. Aether Swooper is one in a blue for creature of a Dalkin Artificer. When Aether Swooper enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters. When Aether Swooper attacks, you may pay two energy counters if you do create a 1-1 one, one colorless servo artifact creature token. Uh, yeah. This is not really playable anywhere else. And I can get four. And I can make servos. Good. Aether Theorist. Aether Theorist is one in a blue for a 1-3 creature, Vidalcan Rogue. Whenever Aether Theorist enters the battlefield, you get three energy counters. Tap. Pay an energy counter. Scry one. Scry is good. Plus, I can get six energy, energy counters. That's a lot of energy. Uh, Anok Guide is... It just has an, an enter-the-battlefield ability and is kind of a bad card that's not playable anywhere else. So, I'm gonna do that. Oh. Huh. Anok Guide is one in a green for a creature hound scout. When Anok Guide enters a battlefield, choose one. Put a plus one plus one counter on Anok Guide. Or search your library for a basic land card, reveal it. Then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. So, basically, it can come as a 2-2 and you can get a basic land. It's not great, but I'm gonna have to run it somewhere. Uh, Bloodseeker. One in a black for a creature vampire shaman. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, you may have that player lose one life. 1-1. One, one. So, if you read Yark the Desecrated, if a permanent entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So if a permanent entering the battlefield that does count for opponents causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control, so yes, that works with Bloodseeker, that ability triggers an additional time. So yes, that does work with it. Glint Sleeve Siphoner. One. One in a black. For a creature. Human rogue. Menace. Whenever Glint Sleeve Siphoner enters the battlefield or attacks, you get an energy counter. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you may pay energy energy if you do draw a card and you lose a life. 2-1. So this is a little bit of a splurge. It can definitely be played in other decks, but just the fact it's amazing. It's an amazing payout for my energy cards. Being able to get to draw a card is just great. Plus, entering the battlefield with Yarok, it will give me two energy counters, so on the next upkeep, I know I can get that draw. Plus, it has Menace, so my opponent will not necessarily be able to block it. It is a very good card in this deck, and I did splurge a little bit, but in this deck, it's going to be much, much better than in most decks. Long Tusk Club. Long Tusk Club or Cub is one in a green for a creature cat. When Long Tusk Cub deals combat damage to a player, you get two energy counters. And pay two energy counters, put a plus one plus one counter on Long Tusk Cub. And it's a 2-2. Two -two. 
So, again, I'm mostly just playing it because I can get four energy counters. And being able to get those plus one plus one counters can be quite good. If I have a lot of count of energy, that can be a good way to either use it as a combat trick to surprise my opponents and potentially kill their stuff, or to just deal a lot of damage. Uh, Sage of Shalaya's Shayala's claim is one in the green for a 2-1 creature altered. When Sage of Shayala's claim enters the battlefield, you get three energy counters. It's just not playable anywhere else. I get six energy counters. It's quite a lot. I just, it's also a 3-1 or a 2-1, so you, you take what you can get. Shielded Aether Thief is one in a blue for a creature, Vidalkin, Rogue, Flash. You may cast this spell anytime you could cast an instant. Whenever Shielded Aether Thief blocks, you get an energy counter. And you can pay three energy to draw a card. This is again, another one of the best payouts for energy. Plus, it's got flash, so I can surprise block my opponent's stuff. Thriving Rats is one in a black for a 1-2 creature rat. When Thriving Rats enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters, and when Thriving Rats attacks, you may pay two energy counters if you do put a plus one plus one counter on it. So, you, it's the same, you get, you can get two, you can get energy counters, you could get four energy counters, and then I can even put more counters on it as a benefit. Alright, another splurge, but this one again, I think is worth it. Winding Constrictor is black, green, for a creature snake. If one or more counters would be placed on an artifact creature or creature you control, that many of those counters plus one are placed on that permanent instead. So basically, if I get some plus one plus one counters on it, those can be plus one, which is good actually. There's a couple, there's a good amount of cards that have that as their payoff. And if you would get one or more counters, you get that many of those counters plus one instead. So basically, because Winding Constrictor. Say, for example, we use Thriving Rats as an ability. When it enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters. And Yarok is going to have that trigger twice. So, because it's two separate triggers, not doubled, I get two separate triggers from the Winding Constrictor. So, I could get six energy off of my Thriving Rats, which is great. Aether Stream Leopard. Two and a green for a creature cat. Trample. When Aether Stream Leopard enters the battlefield, you get an energy counter. When Aether Stream Leopard attacks, you may pay an energy counter. If you do, it gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. Honestly, I don't have that great of a justification for this card. It's just not playable anywhere else. I can get two energy counters from it, and when it attacks, it can be a 4-3 with Trample for three mana. But again, I'm using those energy counters. So, it's not really good, but I just don't have anywhere else to put it. Anna Battle Mage. Uh, two and a green for a creature, human wizard. Two, two. Kicker, two and a blue and or one and a black. When Anna Battle Mage comes into play, if the two and a blue kicker was 
cost was paid. Target player discards three cards. And if the two one in a black co kicker cost was paid, tap target untapped creature, and that creature deals damage equal to its power to its controller. So with Yarok, those can get doubled. So I can either tap two creatures and have them deal damage to their controllers equal to their power, or I could have them, or have either two target players discard three, or one player discard six, which is basically their whole hand, most likely. Um, so that's actually a surprisingly good card. I don't know if it counts as a splurge, but it, it's certainly an underrated and can be good, a good card. So, next we have Architect of the Untamed. Two and a green for a creature, Elf, Artificer, Druid. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you get an energy counter. And you can play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight energy and create a six, six colorless beast artifact creature token. So, again, there are so many things that just give me six energy or whatever it is so easily. Plus, whenever I whenever land enters the battlefield under your control, I get two energy counters, not one, because Yarok will double that trigger. So, yeah, it's quite good. Um, yeah. When Electrostatic Pummeler. Electrostatic Pummeler is three for an artifact creature construct, one, one. When it enters the battlefield, you get three energy counters, so six with Yarok, and you can pay three energy counters, and Electrostatic Pummeler gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is its power. So basically, this is a way to take your piles and piles of energy and turn them into killing someone. For example, let's say you have 15 energy. You do it once, and it's a 2-2. You have 12 energy left. You do it again, and it's a 4-4. Four, four. You have 9 energy left. You do it again, and it's an 8-8. Eight, eight. You still have 6 energy left. You do it 2 more times, it's a 16-16, 16, 16, and then the 32-32. A 32-32 is probably enough to kill that player. So... Obviously, this only works if your opponents don't have any blockers, which is a serious disadvantage. But, it is a really good way to profit if they don't have blockers. Next, we have Elvish Rejuvenator. This is definitely a splurge. Uh, it's from... It's Tuna Green for a creature elf druid, 1-1. One, one. When Elvish Rejuvenator enters the battlefield... Look at the top five cards of your library. You may put a land card from among them onto the battlefield tapped. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So, basically, I get a land. Now, I've heard a lot of people talking about how this isn't a good card because you might not get a land. But if you run the numbers on a hypergeometric distribution calculator, you find out that you have roughly a 90% chance of getting a land. And you can have selection. And it doesn't have to be a basic land. I'm not arguing that this is better than other cards that search for land, such as Wood Elf. Wood Elf. I'm just arguing that it's not very much worse. Just don't discount this card. 
I there was a, a small splurge, but it was good. It's quite good. Uh, because I get the trigger twice, so I can get like two lands. Imperial Voyager is one green blue for a creature Vidalcan Scout. Whenever Imperial Voyager deals combat damage to a player, you get that many energy counters. And it's a 2-3. Sadly, no doubles. But, again, there's so many payoffs for energy. This will just get me, like, two energy per turn. It's just a nice little en engine. Farhaven Elf. Uh, another splurge. Uh, two and a green for creature elf druid. When Harfa Farhaven Elf enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle your library. And it's a 1-1. One -one. So... I get two basics with Yara, which is great. Janjeet Sentry, that's hard to say, uh, is two and a blue for a two, three creature Vidalcan Soldier. When Janjeet Soldier enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters. And you can pay two energy counters to tap or untap target artifact or creature. Uh, yeah. Basically, you can just tap your opponent's stuff, or maybe you'll have a couple things that synergize with that, but who knows. Uh, rogue Refiner is one green-blue for creature human rogue 2-3-2. Two, two. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card and you get two energy counters. So that can trigger twice, so I can draw two and get four energy counters. Thriving Rhino is 2 and a green for creature Rhino 2-3. When Thriving Rhino enters the battlefield, you get 2 energy counters. And when it attacks, you may pay 2 energy counters if you do put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on it. Self-explanatory, same story as I've told for the past, like, 10 cards. Well, not exactly, but you know. Aether Herder. Uh, 3 and a green for creature Elf Artificer Druider, Druid. When... Either herder enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters, and when it attacks, you may pay two energy counters if you do create a 1-1 one, one colorless servo artifact creature token. And it is a 3-3. Three, three. Bloodhunter Bat, uh, I just had to find another janky card to throw in, is three and a black for creature bat, 2-2 two, two flying when Bloodhunter Bat enters the battlefield, target player loses two life, and you gain two life. Frisling Hydra. Uh, another splurge here is two green green for a creature Hydra. When Bristling Hydra enters the battlefield, you get three energy counters. It's a four three, and you can pay three, put a plus one plus one counter on Bristling Hydra. It gains hexproof until end of turn. Actually, it's not really a splurge. There, it's not really playable in very many other decks, but it's a good card. Um, it goes really well in this deck though because I can get protect it twice, and it can get relatively large. Alright, next we have Hostage Taker. Hostage Taker is 2 blue-black for a 2-2 two, two creature human pirate. When Hostage Taker enters the battlefield, exile target artifact or creature until Hostage Taker leaves the battlefield. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though or mana of any type to cast that spell. That's great. 
so I can just get rid of other things that I don't want to exist anymore. Uh, next we have Mystic State Snake. One, green, blue, blue, for a creature snake, flash. When Mystic Snake comes into play, counter target spell, 2-2. Two, two. Oh, this card is actually not that great. If for some reason, it basically it's just what it says. The Yarok trigger doubling doesn't have very much of an effect unless there's two spells on the stack that you want to counter. Yes, you can target the same spell with it. So you don't have to actually counter the Mystic Snake itself. If it gets doubled, you can just counter the sing a single spell twice. Also, it would be at the enter the battle an enter the battlefield trigger, so it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't be on the stack anymore when that triggers. But you get the point. Uh, next is Pima Aether Seeker. It's three and a green for a three-two creature elf druid. And when Pima Aether Seer enters the battlefield, you get an amount of energy counters equal to the greatest power among creatures you control. And you can pay three energy counters and target creature blocks this turn if able. Bare minimum, you get three from either Payma Aether Seeker or from the Yarok. But most likely you will get more than that. And you can just make things block, which is somewhat helpful. <laughs> it's a good way to get rid of things. Another, yeah, like, for example, in these decks, it's going to be really hard to get ramp, draw, removal, etc. So cards like this just help me supplement it when I don't have the best options. So next we have Shipwreck Moray. It's three and a blue for creature fish. When Shipwreck Moray enters the battlefield, you get four energy counters. So eight. Eight energy counters. And you can pay an energy, and it gets plus two, negative two until end of turn. So, it because it's a zero five, it can become like a three, a two, three, two three, or like a four one, depending. It's fine. Uh, but mostly you're just playing it to get a ton of man, a ton of energy. Acidic slime. This is a pretty big splurge that we have, but. Eh. It's three green green for a creature ooze with death touch. When acidic slime enters the battlefield, destroy target artifact, enchantment, or land. So yeah, you can just, just removal. Uh, Arctic wolves is three green green for a four five. Summon wolves. When Arctic wolves enters the battlefield, draw a card. And it has cumulative up upkeep too. So basically, you just play it and you get to draw two and then you sack it at the beginning of your next turn. It's pretty bad, but th there's bad cards in magic. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Avon Surveyor is three blue blue for a creature bird scout with flying. When Avon Surveyor enters the battlefield, choose one, put a plus one plus one counter on Avon Surveyor and return target creature to its owner's hand. Quite good. Uh, yeah. It just allows me to bounce two creatures or put two plus one counters on it. Uh, well, next we have Blade Juggler. Blade Juggler is four and a black 
for a 3-2 creature human rogue with spectacle. At the, you may cast this spell for its spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent lost life this turn. Its spectacle cost is 2 and a black. And when Blade Juggler enters the battlefield, it deals 1 damage to you and you draw a card. It's great. You can just draw 2, more draw. Uh, next we have High Tide Hermit. Four and a blue for a creature crab with defender. When High Tide Hermit enters the battlefield, you get four energy counters. And you can play two energy, and it can attack this turn as though it didn't have defender. And it is a 4-4. So you can get like eight creatures, which again is great. Multiform Wonder is five for three three artifact creature construct. And when it enters the battlefield, you get three energy counters. And you can pay an energy to give it either flying vigilance or lifelink or m plus two minus two or negative two plus two until end of turn so with your six energy you could give it flying vigilance lifelink and like plus two negative two i guess it yeah and then other stuff you just yeah basically you're just paying playing it to get the energy counters and those abilities are just a nice benefit. Reservoir Walker is 5 for a 3 3 artifact creature construct. When Reservoir Walker enters the battlefield, you gain 3 life and get 3 energy counters. First, you get 6 life, which, sure, that's good. And then you get 6 energy counters, which is awesome. Uh, next, we have Riparian Tiger. I think that's how that's, spelled, that's pronounced is three green green for a creature cat with trample. When Riparian Tiger enters the battlefield, you may get two energy counters. And when Riparian Tiger attacks, you may pay two energy counters. If you do, it gets plus two plus two until end of turn. That is great. Uh, Shriek Maw. Shriek Maw is four and a black for a creature elemental with fear. This creature can't be blocked except by artifact creatures and or black creatures. And when it enters the battlefield, destroy target non-artifact, non-black creature. Whew, this is a splurge, plus it has evoke. You may cast one in a black, you may cast this spell for its evoke cost. If you do, it's sacrificed when it enters the battlefield. So you can play one in a black and have it enter the battlefield, and then you can have it destroy two target non-artifact, non-black creatures. That's good removal. Uh, next we have Aether Tide Whale. Aether Tide Whale is for blue blue for creature whale with flying. When Aether Tide Whale enters the battlefield, you get six energy counters. So 12 energy counters. And you can pay four to return four energy counters to return Aether Tide Whale to its owner's hand. So the way this design is designed, you're supposed to get two energy counters per time that you recast it. You can net gain that. But with Yarok, you get double triggers, so you can get eight energy counters for the six mana you're paying every single time you recast it. So that's amazing. Uh, next, we have a new one from Theros Beyond Death. Uh, Blight Breath Katoblepos, I think. It's four black black for a creature beast, three two. When Blight Breath Katoblepos enters the battlefield, target creature an opponent controls gets negative x, negative x until end of turn. 
where x is your devotion to black. So you'll probably have a good amount of devotion to black, bare minimum two from bright breath, breath and you'll probably have one from uh, Yarok, so you can have negative three, negative three twice that you can target either the same one or just two separate creatures. Either way, and most likely you'll have even more. It's just a bad card that becomes good with Yarok. Demon, if dark schemes, is three. Black, black, black for a creature demon. When demon of dark schemes enters the battlefield, other creatures get negative two, negative two until end of turn. Whenever another creature dies, you get an energy counter. And you can pay two and pay four energy to put target creature card from your graveyard onto the battlefield tapped under your control. So, this one I was very torn about because it is just a good card. And I, I really didn't know if it was okay to be running any incredibly good cards. Now I'm just running a couple of cards so far that are just borderline maybe playable. You know, I, this one was like, is it really, can I really do that? Like, are there really that many good cards in Magic that I can play that card? I ended up putting it in, I don't know, in the future, maybe I'll just be overwhelmed at the very end just swamped with all the very, very bad cards. But I'm trying to limit myself here. Maybe I will limit myself more. But for now, I'm just trying to find some type of niche category that makes cards that aren't otherwise playable, playable. That's what I'm doing for now. I'm probably gonna do a couple of decks soon that are just decks that I've already built that I'm gonna modify for this next week. But because this week there were so many other things going on, I decided not to make a third deck to go over. Because of course, I wanna get this done and it's, a, it's an extremely long process. I, f I don't remember exactly what I calculated, but I feel like I remember it was about three years. Um, kudos to the people that are building a deck for every single commander, you just have yourself something three times the challenge that I do that is growing at a rate almost as quickly as you're able to do it. That's why I chose to do it this way, because I'm not quite as limited, and I will actually be able to do it. Uh, sorry, I know that you guys are going to be able to do it eventually. It will probably just take you like 20 years, not even exaggerating. Alright, next we have Aetherwind Basker. Four, green, 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 for a creature lizard. Trample. When Aetherwind Basker enters the battlefield or attacks, you get an energy counter for each creature you control. And you can pay an energy counter, and Aetherwind Basker gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So, that is quite good. Um, it's another small splurge, but I figured there's gotta be some good cards. You know, uh, I think I'm going to try and go a little bit more light on good cards in the future. Uh, Aether Squall Ancient is 4 blue blue for Creature Leviathan. At the beginning of your upkeep, you get 3 energy counters. And you can pay 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 energy counters 
to return all other creatures to their owner's hands and activate this ability only any time you can cast a sorcery. So it's six mana, or a six six, it's seven mana. It's just a wrath. I mean, I there's not that many good wraths in magic. So that's just a way to get one that works in the deck. Alright. So that's all the creatures. I'm running 46 creatures in this deck because, first of all, there's a lot of creatures in magic. And second of all, uh, that's what the deck synergizes with. It's all around also energy and there's a lot of things that are energy that are just creatures. Uh, there's also a couple of random ETBs that I threw in that wouldn't be playable in other places. Because I needed to fill out the deck, and I didn't want to put in any two good cards. Next is Attune with Aether. Attune with Aether is green for sorcery. Search your library for a basic land card to reveal it. Put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. You get two energy counters. Next we have Die Young. Die Young is one in a black for sorcery. Choose target creature. You get two energy counters, then you may pay an amount of energy. The creature gets negative one, negative one until end of turn for each energy paid this way. So, basically I can turn my energy into removal, which I have, as I have stated before, it's going to be extremely difficult to get removal in this type of deck. Next we have Live, live Fast. Two and a black, you draw two cards, lose two life, and get two energy counters. It, it's a little bit of a splurge. I mean, three mana draw two isn't uncommon. But, I also get two energy counters. I, I think it's a small splurge, but I think it's okay. Confiscation Coup. Three blue blue for sorcery. Choose target artifact or creature. You get four energy counters, then you pay, may pay an amount of energy equal to that converted mana- that permanence converted mana cost. If you do, gain control of it. Next we have Decoction Model. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you get an energy counter. And four, tap, return target creature you control to its owner's hand. Uh, that's great. So that'll trigger twice with Yarok. And returning my creatures to my hand is also really useful because their abilities will trigger twice with Yarok. Next is Glassblower's Puzzle Knot. Two, for an artifact. When Glassblower's Puzzle Knot enters the battlefield, Scry two, then you get two energy counters. And then you can pay two and a blue to sacrifice it, and scry two and get two energy counters. So, that's good. Uh, sadly, scry twoing twice from Yark does not make it scry four. It would be so much better if it did, but you don't get everything. Uh, when Woodweaver's Puzzle Knot is two, and when it enters the battlefield, you gain three life and get three energy counters. And you can pay two and sack it to gain three life and get three energy counters. And then Aether Sphere Harvester is three for an artifact vehicle. Flying, when Aether Sphere Harvester enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters. And you can pay an energy to give it lifelink. And it has a crew one and is a three five. So tap any number of creatures. You control with a total power of one or more, and it becomes an artifact creature. Consulate tur Turret is three for an artifact. Tap, you get an energy counter, and tap and pay three energy counters, and it deals two damage to target player. 
It's just a little- it's just a way to get a little bit of damage into on people, incrementally. Deadlock Trap is 3 for an artifact, and it enters the battlefield tapped. And when it enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters, and you can tap and pay an energy target creature or planes- tap target creature or planeswalker. Its activated abilities can't be activated until end of turn. I don't know why. But for me, it just seems kind of funny for a planeswalker or like an enchantment or something that's not supposed to be tapped, being tapped. I don't know why, it doesn't really make any sense, but yeah. Uh, fabrication module. Three for an artifact, whenever you get one or more energy counters, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. And four, tap, you get an energy counter. So, as I have said before, uh, because Yorok will make two separate triggers, Fabrication Module will trigger twice. So, that's quite good. Plus, there are just a lot of different engines to get energy, and it just synergizes well. Like, for example, with Winding Constrictor, if one or more creatures you would be- one or more counters would be placed on that- on an artifact or creature you control, that many of those counters plus one are placed on that permanent instead. There's just a couple of niche synergies, and it works surprisingly well in the deck. Panharmonicon is four for an artifact. If an artifact or creature enters the battlefield, causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. This is the biggest splurge in the deck. It's just another Yarok, and I figured I have to. Ha I can have one big splurge, right? I'm probably gonna regret it, but I feel like I might have splurged too much on this deck. I don't know, but this one is a giant one, and I might just have to cut it in the future. I will allow myself to make edits to the decks of the past. For example, if I find out, oh, this card would be so good in this deck, and I could just use another card in that card's place in the other deck. So, I don't know if I'm gonna end up doing that, but I will probably try to avoid it so that the episodes in the past stay as relevant as possible and to not be like, oh yeah, I'm just using all these good cards in every single deck and just replacing them and cutting them when I get them, when I get to need them again. Plus, that also just makes a lot more maintenance if I do that too much. So I will try to avoid doing that, but I might decide to do that at some point rare occasions. Okay, four more cards. High Spire Infusion is one in a green for an instant target creature gets plus three plus three until end of turn and you get two energy counters. Uh, Glimmer of Genius is three in a blue for an instant scry two, then draw two, you get two energy counters. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gaunti's Machinations. Whenever you lose life for the first time each turn, you get an energy counter. And pay two energy. Sacrifice Gaunti's Machinations. Each player loses three. Each opponent loses three life. You gain life equal to the lo life lost this way. Excuse me. Um, so I can gain nine life, assuming that I have three opponents, and it'll deal three damage to each of them. And I only need two energy, which is extremely easy to get in this deck. And if I also get it from losing life. Uh, next I have either meltdown. Either Meltdown is one in a blue for an enchantment or a flash. You may cast this spell at any time you could cast an instant. Enchant creature or vehicle, and when either Meltdown enters the battlefield, you get two energy counters. And Enchanted Permanent gets negative four, negative oh. 
So that's the deck. Basically, it synergizes around just playing cards that get me uh, energy. And then I use a couple of cards to profit. Uh, it. I'm sure that if you play this, you will not win. But it will probably function relatively well. Alright. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm going to probably have to figure out some type of solution to make it go faster in the future. Because it took me just about half an hour to talk about one deck. Uh, this episode is probably just going to go long. But... I'm gonna go on to the next deck. So next, I have Grenzo, a Grenzo Dar Dungeon Warden deck. Grenzo Dungeon Warden is X Black Red for 2-2 Legendary Creature Goblin Rogue. Grenzo Dungeon, Grenzo Dungeon Warden enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it, and it's a 2-2. Two, two. two, put the top, put the bottom card of your library into your graveyard. If it's a creature card with power less than or equal to Grenzo's power, put it onto the battlefield. So, this deck has two categories of completely unplayable cards. One, cards that just say scry and basically are otherwise unplayable. And two, cards that synergize with the, t the bottom of my library. Almost no other decks want care about the bottom of my library. Also, I don't know, I kind of like the fact that I can use it, and it'll help me, and the new mulligan will help me. Obviously, I'm not trying to go with some crazy combo deck, because it makes it extremely difficult to make a competitive deck with it. Uh, alright. Let's see. So, first we have an Inquisitive Puppet. Inquisitive Puppet is one for a 0-2 artifact creature construct. When Inquisitive Puppet enters the battlefield, scry one. And exile Inquisitive Puppet, create a 1-1 one, one white human creature token. So scrying is look at the top card of your library. You may put that card on the bottom of your library. And because of Grenzo's ability, I can put the bottom of my library right into play if it's a creature with power less than his. So, what I can do is I can scry over and over and over again and select what exactly is going to happen, which gives me control and allows me to combo in a lot of different ways. Next, another big splurge is Viseracia. Viscera Seer. Black for a creature, vampire wizard, sacrifice a creature, scry one. And it's a one one. Again, pretty self explanatory. Uh, I can scry, which is great, and I can sacrifice my creatures, which there's a lot of different ways to get them back into my library or on the bottom of my library, etc. Uh, Eager Construct is 2 for a 2-2, two, two, and when it enters the battlefield, each player may scry 1. So, sadly, my opponents get it too, but it matters a lot more to me than it does to them. Uh, next, we have... Sigiled Skink. Sigiled Skink is one in a black for two one, or one in a red for two one lizard, and when it attacks, scry one. Next we have Blood Bairn. Blood Bairn is two in a black for a creature vampire. Sacrifice another creature. Blood Bairn gets plus two plus two until end of turn. So 
It's another sacrifice outlet, which is very useful in this deck. It allows me to get in lots of combo loops. Uh, Bogarden Dragonheart is two and a red for a creature human shaman. Sacrifice another creature until end of turn. Bogarden Dragonheart becomes a dragon with base power and toughness 4-4 flying and haste. So, basically, it's another sacrifice outlet. Uh, Bantu the Glorified is Tuna Black for Legendary Creature God, 4-6, Menace Indestructible. Bantu the Glorified can't attack or block unless a creature died under your control this turn. And one in a black, sacrifice another creature, scry one. Each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. So, I can sacrifice my creatures, and I can scry. And I can attack with it and gain a life. So that's really good, and mostly just because I can sacrifice and scry. Burnished Heart. This is a small splurge. Uh, so was Bantu, by the way. Uh, three for an artifact creature, Elk. Three, sacrifice Burnished Heart. Search your library for up to two basic land cards. Put them onto the battlefield, tapped, then shuffle your library. And it's a 2-2. So I can just wheel that over and over again. Uh, next is Flame Speaker Adept. Two and a red for creature human shaman. Whenever you scry, uh, flame speaker adept gets plus two plus zero oh and gains first strike until end of turn. So again, there's a lot of cards in here that let me scry. That's a thing that this deck is heavily focused on. So it'll just get big. And Lost Legion is one and black black for a creature spirit knight. When Lost Legion enters the battlefield, scry two, and it is a two three. Murderous Rider is insane. Murderous Rider is one in black black for a creature zombie knight 2-3. Uh, lifelink, when Murderous Rider dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. Now you can guess why that's good, because then once it's on the bottom of its owner's library, I can get it right back with Renzo and put it into play. And not only that, it has an adventure. Uh, swift end, one black black for an instant adventure. Destroy target creature or planeswalker, you lose two life. So I get to murder something, and then I get something that I can wheel or re have it enter the battlefield over and over and over again. That's amazing. Definitely a splurge. That's a $10 card, and eh, it's very good. I mean, I'd say it's about, honestly, I think it's overrated. It's not that much more playable than something like Doomblade, unless it's in a very specific deck that cares about the creature. But, in this deck, it is insane. Next, we have Pawn of Ulamog. One black black for a 2-2 creature vampire shaman. When Pawn of Ulamog or another non-token creature you control died, dies, you may create a 0-1 colorless Aldrazi spawn creature token. It has sacrificed this creature, add colorless tier mana pool. So this gives me mana to activate Grenzo again, and it will let me get into loops. A lot of the loops that I get into require mana, uh, so this will just help me make that easier. Uh, another thing that will help me have the mana to go through those loops is Priest of Gix. Priest of Gix is two and a black for creature human cleric minion, and when it enters the battlefield, add black 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 to your mana pool. And it's a 2-1. Uh, Priest of Urabask 
Urubrask is the same thing. Two in a red whenever Priest of Urubrask, Urubrask enters the battlefield, add red, red, red to your mana pool. And it's a 2-1. Ravenous Harpy is two in a black for creature Harpy 1-2. Flying one, sacrifice another creature, put a plus one, plus one counter on Ravenous Harpy. This deck simply needs a lot of sacrifice outlets. And I just don't want to run out of all the good mana-less sacrifice outlets. So I threw in Ravenous Harpy just because I want another one. And sometimes that's just how it goes. Thaumaturge's Familiar is 3 for a 1-3 artifact creature bird with flying. And when Thaumaturge's Familiar enters the battlefield, scry 1. And it's a 1-3. So, yeah. I can scry. Uh, Wartai Witch is another great one. Uh, two and a black for a creature goblin shaman. When Wartai Witch or another creature dies, scry one. Alright. Next up, we have Woe Strider. Whoa! And Woe Strider is another new card from Theros Beyond Death. Woe Strider is two and a black for creature horror. Uh, three two. When Woe Strider enters the battlefield, create a zero one white goat creature token. And sacrifice another creature. Scry one. A scrape. Escape. Three black black. Exile four other cards from your graveyard. You may cast this card from your graveyard for its escape cost. And it escapes with two plus one plus one counters on it. So, you can cast it, get a goat, you can scry, you can sacrifice your creatures, and you can escape it, you could sacrifice, yeah, you could, you can escape it, get another counter, get another goat, and yeah, it's just good. Uh, it is a little bit of a splurge, because it's a free sacrifice outlet, and it makes a dude, but I, you gotta have some small splurges. Uh, Yeheni, Undying Partisan, is 2 and a black for a legendary creature, Aetherborn Vampire. With haste, whenever a creature an opponent controls dies, put a plus one plus one counter on Yeheni, Undying Partisan. And sacrifice another creature, Yeheni gains indestructible until end of turn. And it is a 2-2, with haste. So, first, if your opponent's creatures dies, you get, you get counters, which is great. And it's mostly there just because it's a sacrifice outlet. So, that's good. Uh, Canal Dredger is 4 for an artifact creature construct. Draft Canal fa Dredger face up, and each player passes the last card from each booster pack to a player who drafted a card named Canal Dredger. So, technically, the way that it works is, yes, you can play this card in Commander. It is 100% legal, but... The things that are related to draft do absolutely nothing. With other cards similar to this, it'll ask you to like get a card that you drafted or something. You just don't get anything. Uh, yeah. So that's how that works. If anyone's asking. Uh, Junk Troller is four for an artifact creature golem defend with defender. Tap. Put target card from a graveyard on the bottom of its owner's library for a zero six. So, again, it's just another way to get stuff from my graveyard on the bottom of my library 
which I can then use uh, Grenzo to play again, to sacrifice, to put on my, the bottom of my library, and do it over and over again. That's why I didn't explain for Canal Dredger. They do the same thing, but they synergize really well. Murderous Red Cap is two black, hybrid black red, hybrid black red for 2 2. Goblin Assassin. When Murderous Red Cap enters the battlefield, it deals damage equal to its power to any target, and it has persist. When it dies, if it had no negative one, negative one counters on it, it enters the battlefield with a negative one, negative one counter on it. So, basically, it just allows me to either destroy my opponent's creatures, or if I really am comboing off, I might be able to just kill my opponents. Next, we have Necrotal. Necrotal is two black black for creature human assassin, and when it enters the battlefield, destroy target non-artifact, non-black creature, and that creature can't be regenerated. It's a 2-1. So, it's just removal that I can use over and over again. Little bit of a splurge. Same with Ravenous Chupacabra, which is two black black for creature beast horror. 2-2, two, two, when it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls. Uh, Pitiless Plunderer is... 3 and a black for creature human pirate. Whenever another creature you control dies, create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap sacrifices artifact. Add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So it's just ramp. It also just lets you have more mana to work with when you're trying to go off. Next, we have Epitaph, Epitaph Golem, which is, th which is 5 for a 3-5 artifact creature golem. 2. Put target card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library. Nice. So you can get it on the bottom of your library. So basically, you can spend four to play, to get it from them. So if you have a free sacrifice outlet, you can sacrifice it, use Epitaph Golem to put it on the bottom of your library, and then use Gren Grenzo to get it back into play for four mana total. Which can be quite good with the things that are entering and exiting, plus with the other things that can get you mana, there's a lot of ways that that can go infinite easily. Hey, here's a good way that this can become extremely powerful. Gray Merchant of Asphodel is three black black for creature zombie. When Gray Mer Merchant of Asphodel enters a battlefield, each opponent loses X life or X is their devotion to black. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. I don't care if your opponents are, are losing like three life. You gain nine life if your opponents are just losing three. And that's basically the bare minimum. That's if you have one devotion to black other than Gary. Yes, he is called Gary. Um, and you can wheel it so many different ways and get it to enter the battlefield over and over and over again. Plus, this deck is heavily focused on black, a lot more than it is on red, especially in the permanence. And you're probably gonna have a good amount of black cards already out. So, Gary is extremely good. Uh, it is a splurge. It's good in a lot of different decks, but I, I think it, it deserves it deserves to be here. Sir Conrad the Grim is three black black for legendary creature human knight five four. Whenever another creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad the Grim deals one damage to each opponent and. One in a black, each player may puts the top card of their library into their graveyard. So, basically, you can mill yourself, which can be helpful. Um, 
but you can also just have things whenever whenever my stuff dies I can deal damage to opponents or whenever my stuff leaves the graveyard because technically how Grenzo works is put the bottom card of your library into your graveyard if it's a creature with power less than or equal to Grenzo's power put it on the battlefield so technically how that works is if I use Renzo's ability, it will count as it leaving the battlefield. So there's a lot of different ways, and if it's put from the from and from the library into the graveyard, that also counts. So it could deal two damage from me using the Grenzo ability if I hit it, one if it doesn't hit it, and also from me sacrificing creatures. It, it's good. It's quite good. Uh, Vampire Warlord is four in a black for creatures. Vampire Warrior. 4-2, uh, sacrifice another creature, regenerate Vampire Warlord. Again, I needed Sacrifice Outlet. I didn't want to take the very best Sacrifice Outlets, so I just went with that. Prophet of the Peak. 6 for an artifact creature cat, 5-5. Five, five. When it enters the battlefield, scry 2, which is great. Eater of Hope is 2, black, black, 4, or 5, black, black, for a creature demon, 6-4 with flying. Black, sacrifice another creature. Regenerate Eater of Hope. Two and a black, sacrifice two other creatures. Destroy target creature. So, not only can it be a single mana sacrifice outlet, but also you can pay two and a black and sacrifice two to destroy a creature. Which is a great way to benefit off of having the creatures that you want to sacrifice anyways. Alright, next we have Harsh Scrutiny. Harsh Scrutiny is black for a sorcery. Target opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a creature card from it. And that player discards that card. Scry 1. Bolt of Karanos is 1 red red for sorcery. Bolt of Karanos deals 3 damage to target creature or player. Scry 1. Uh, Drown in Sorrow is 1 black black for a sorcery. All creatures get negative 2 negative 2 until end of turn. Scry 1. Again, all just because they have scries. Bolt of Drown in Sorrow can be a... Uh, a Wrath. Bolt of Karanos can be removal. Harsh Scrutiny is just kind of removal. It's discard, but it's like preemptive removal. It's like before a counterspell. Uh, Lightning Javelin is 3 and a red for Sorcery. Lightning Javelin deals 3 damage to target creature or player. Scry 1. Same idea. Removal. Scries. Good. Uh, Port... Portent of Betrayal is 3 and a red for a sorcery. Gain control of target creature until end of turn. Untap that creature, it gains haste until end of turn. N scry 1. So not only does it uh, give haste, or sorry, not only does it scry, but also I can take a creature, and with all of my sacrifice outlets, I can sacrifice it. Uh, Rage of Perforos is 4 and a red for a sorcery. Uh, Rage of Perforos deals 4 damage to target creature. It can't be regenerated this turn. Scry 1. So, what I can do is it can just be removal, and it can scry. Yeah. Uh, lose hope. Black. For an instant. Target creature gets minus one, minus one until end of turn, and I can scry two. Again, mostly I'm playing this with scry two, but negative one, negative one can maybe get rid of something. Uh, spark jolt. Same idea. Red. Instant. Spark jolt deals one damage to target creature or player. Scry one. Jaya's greeting. Uh, one in a red for an instant. Jaya's Greeting deals three damage to target creature. Scry one. Same idea. Magma Jet. 
Mega Magnet deals 2 damage to target creature or player. Scry 2. Uh, Cruel Finality. Uh, 2 and a black. Instant. Target creature gets negative 2, negative 2 until end of turn. Scry 1. Fateful End. 2 and a red. Fateful End deals 3 damage to any target. Scry 1. Get the point. 3 and a 3 black red. Instant. To tar destroy target creature. Scry 1. So all of those are just basically destroy something or deal damage or whatever it is. And then I get to scry. Uh, there's also Riddle of Lightning, which is 3 red red for an instant. Choose target creature or player. Scry 3, then reveal the top card of your library. Riddle of Lightning deals damage equal to that con card's converted mana cost to that creature or player. So, I can scry 3, which will almost definitely be able to get me something good on the bottom of my library. And I can also have it get rid of something if I get lucky. Conjurer's Bobble is one for an artifact tap sacrifice conjurer uh, tap sacrifice conjurer's bobble put up to one target card from your graveyard onto the bottom of your library draw a card uh so again it's just another way to get something from my graveyard on the bottom of the library so i can get it again with grenzo sentinel totem is one for uh, an artifact when sentinel totem enters the battlefield scry one look at the top card of your library y you know what scry does um, and tap, exile, sentinel, sentinel totem, totem, exile all cards from your graveyard. So, you can get rid of, uh, from all graveyards. So you can get rid of graveyards, and you get the benefit of scry. Uh, tell Jalad Stylus is one for an artifact, tap, put target permanent you own on the bottom of your library. This skips a couple steps. You just get to put in a permanent on the bottom of my library, and then I can use Grenzo to get it back. So it just skips a couple steps and makes it easier. Darksteel Pendant is two for an artifact, and it's indestructible, and I can tap to scry. Tap one and tap scry one. Illusionist Bracers is two for an artifact equipment. Whenever an ability of equipped creature is activated, if it isn't a mana ability, copy that ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. This is a bit of a splurge, but with Grenzo, every single time I activate it, it just happens twice. Rhydo Lantern is two for an artifact. Three, put target card from your from a graveyard onto the bottom of its owner's library. It's great. Uh, Soul Devi Digger, two for an artifact. Two, put target card, put the top card of your graveyard on the bottom of your library. Uh, so. If you sacrifice something, it'll be on top of your library of your graveyard, and then you can stick it on the bottom of your library. So this is quite irritating, honestly. Usually, when I'm building decks, if I see a card that says the top card of my of my graveyard, I will simply not put it in my deck because that means that I have to or that I have to keep my order of my library the same, which can be quite irritating, but. Because I'm running every single card in Commander, there wouldn't be a point in that. I'm going to have to put it in the deck anyways. Plus, it synergizes quite well. Uh, because if I sacrifice something, I can put it on the top of my library, on the bottom of my library, which is what I want to be doing. Treasure map is two for an artifact. One tap, scry one, put a landmark counter on treasure map. And create a treasure so it has tap sacrifices artifact add one mana of any color to your mana pool and if there's three or more our landmark counters on it 
then you can transform it and create three treasure tokens. Treasure Cove is what it transforms into, and you can tap to add a colorless, it's a land, and you can, or you can tap to sacrifice a treasure and draw a card. Uh, next we have set Crystal Ball. Crystal Ball is three for an artifact, one tap, scry two. Heartstone is next, three for an artifact, the cost of each creature ability requiring an activation cost is reduced by one. This cannot reduce an ability, uh, an ability's generic mana cost to less than one. So, if there's an ability, it costs one less to cast. Not to cast, to activate. So, for example, Grenzo has two as, as his ability. Suddenly, that's one, which is great. Uh, mana Geode, three. When it enters the battlefield, scry one, and I can tap to add one mana of any color. So, yeah. Uh, Seer's Lantern is three. For an artifact, tap add colorless, and two tap scry one. So, yeah. I get mana. I can scry. What more could you ever want? Cauldron of Eternity. Another relatively large splurge, but absolutely insane in this deck. So, Cauldron of Eternity is 10 black black for a legendary artifact. This spell costs two less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. And whenever a creature you control dies, put it on the bottom of its owner's library. Grenzo gets stuff from the bottom of my library. That just completely skips the step of me having to bring it back. I can just sacrifice it and it'll go directly to the bottom of my library where Grenzo can get it right back. And... Tap to tap, pay to life, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcerer. That is amazing. Just amazing. Shadows of the Past is two and a black for an enchantment. Whenever a creature dies, scry one. So I can sacrifice things and I get to scry a lot. And four and a black, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Activate this ability only if there are four more creature cards in your graveyard. So maybe you might want to use this in a rare scenario, but probably not. Uh, Gift of Doom is four and a black for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature has death touch and indestructible morph. Sacrifice another creature. Uh, you may cast this card face down as a 2-2 creature for three. Turn it face up any time for its morph cost. And when it's turned face up, you may sac you may attach it to another creature. So basically, I'm mostly running it because I can just sacrifice a creature. Plus I can sacrifice multiple creatures at the same time. It's not really a good sacrifice outlet. I should probably cut it because it doesn't allow me to sacrifice things forever. I can only do it in one moment, but I just need sacrifice outlets so desperately that I just put it in. Uh, knowledge and power is four and a red for an enchantment. Whenever you scry, you may pay two. If you do, knowledge and power deals two damage to target creature or player. So I can just get rid of my opponent's stuff. So, that's the deck. Uh, again, as I said before, just because of the nature of this challenge, it's going to just be cheap. So it's $67.00. I feel like I didn't splurge as much on this deck as I did last, 
but there are a couple of cards in here that are splurges such as Cauldron of Eternity and Grey Merchant of Asphodel, but that happens sometimes. So those are the two decks. Uh, I just have a couple more things to say. One, uh, pretty soon I'm going to be putting up a website. I believe most likely the description will, the link will be in the description. And yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk about is, first of all, sorry, I have, for some reason my throat really hurts. My, it's probably going to make me sound a little bit weird, but that's fine. Uh, I made a new logo. Uh, I really like it. Uh, I wish that it basically, I used MTG Cardsmith and the top and the bottom are cut off, which is irritating me, but there's not very much I could do about that without leaving the sides empty or warping the image. So I think I'm just going to have to live with that. Um, so let's just go to the end. Uh, so basically earlier I had this thing called card of the week and for some reason I stopped doing it because when I was planning the layout of these episodes, somehow I just didn't think of card of the week until I was actually recording them. And I just didn't want to think of something right off the top of my head, but I actually like the idea. Um, but I'm going to change the rules from just any card I want to either really, mostly I want to do cards that require a lot of analysis, like a card that maybe is playable, but you have to really think about it or you have to do math or like a hypergeometric distribution calculator in order to figure out what it is or just something that's underrated that you. All right. So just at the ending, a quick note. I accidentally forgot to talk about the lands in either deck, so I'm just going to go over them quickly now. So in the Grenzo deck, we have an Isolated Watchtower, which is a land and I can tap to add a colorless or I can pay two and scry one. Then you may reveal the top card of your library. If a basic land card is revealed this way, put it onto the battlefield tapped. Activate this ability only if an opponent controls at least two more lands than you. Uh, next, we have Path of Ancestry. Path, uh, Path of Ancestry enters the battlefield tapped, and I can tap it. Add to your mana pool one mana of any color in your commander's color identity. When that mana is cast to spend, to sp when that mana is cast to spe spent to cast a creature spell that shares a creature type with your commander. Scry one. Uh, Grenzo is a goblin rogue. Uh, Temple of Malice is a land and it enters the battlefield tapped. And when it enters the battlefield, scry one. And I can tap it to add black or red. And Zalfiran Void, and, and, and when it enters the battlefield, scry one. And I can tap it for a colorless. Uh, that is all in the Grenzo deck. Most of them just allow me to scry. Also, I just randomly noticed there's a lot of echo in this room. Uh, I'm not recording in the normal place. Sorry if you notice it. Uh, but next, on to the Yarok deck. Um, as is logical, I'm not running many lands in either deck because I want to have, be able to have fixing and cards for other decks in the future. 
So in the Yarok deck, we have an Aether Hub. When Aether Hub enters the battlefield, you get an energy counter, which with Yarok, I can get two. And I can tap to add a colorless to my mana pool, or I can tap and pay an energy to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So one, it gets me energy, and two, I can use my energy to get uh, mana. Uh, next, we have Hickory Woodlot. Hickory Woodlot is a land. Hickory Woodlot comes into play tapped with two depletion counters on it. So with Yarok, it'll come into play with four depletion counters on it. And tap, remove a depletion counter from Hickory Woodlot. Add two green mana to your mana pool. If there are no depletion counters on Hickory Woodlot, sacrifice it. So I have two other cards, Peat Bog and Sappers and Scary. Peat Bog is the same except for instead of adding a green, it adds a black. And Sappers and Scary is the same except for adding a green, you, it adds a blue. So they, were, they go well in the deck. Um, so that was just a silly oversight. Like, yeah. So today I'm gonna be doing Mystic Forge. Uh, Mystic Forge is four for an artifact. You may look at the top card of your library anytime, and you may cast the top card of your library if it's an artifact card or a colorless non-land card. And tap, pay one life, exile the top card of your library. So, this is gonna be extremely controversial because in most formats, it is very good. But I'm going to make an argument that this is not playable in Commander. So, in order, uh, so what I'm gonna do for this is statistics. So a hypergeometric distribution calculator is something that calculates basically how often or how likely you're able to draw it. So first, I'm gonna put in the number. So the population size is 99. Uh, the sample size is two per turn. Because each turn Mystic Forge is gonna give me two cards that I can look at because I can get rid of one and I organically have one. I will calculate the uh, increased numbers because of if you if it goes away, you can look again uh, later. The number of successes in sample is one. Um, and so let's say you're playing an artifact deck. We'll say you're playing 33 artifacts, which is quite a lot. You know what? I'll go 35. So the odds of you getting a single card is a 46% chance. And you have a 10% chance to get more than one in those two. So with those, with that 58% chance overall to get one out of the first two that you see each turn, that's not great. But uh, we can do... A 58 and then we can do that times if we bring it to three so if we see another card the odds of us seeing one is a 35% chance so overall we come up with like 70 basically on average you'll get roughly a point point seven cards per turn with this card so it's worse than a Phyrexian Arena. Most of the time. Obviously, sometimes you will go off on it. But 
because of these numbers, most of the time, it will simply not be that good. Obviously, if you're running more than 35 cards, uh, then that might be a different thing. And maybe if you are, and if you have library manipulation, that might also change it. And I've never played with the card, so I could be wrong. This one is just a consideration of mine. I don't really know for a fact, but I think that most of the time it is not quite playable. Thank you for listening. I will see you next week. You can join my Discord server in the link in the description. You can send me voice messages through Anchor, also with the link in the description. You can find me on Architect at I'm a Johnny, and you can find me on Disc on Reddit at CMDRS Contingencies. I will see you next week.